Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradley! Welcome to the Loave Strangers podcast, the perfect solution to the wind and the rain. I am joined for episode 99, Not Out, Ben Wills. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been another good sporting weekend for me, and that's all that matters. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to talk about what is uh, not exactly a fashionable Swindon win, but they all count, and uh, and it's three more points on the board. So looking forward to that. It's always about you, isn't it? Of course, of course. <laughs> well, I had an absolute nightmare of a day yesterday, which I made quite clear on Twitter. Broke down on the way back from London. All it was was a windscreen wiper got hit by a twig, but it was windy, it was rainy. We couldn't get the other windscreen wiper onto the other side, so we had to call in the uh, the RAC. 45 minutes in a lay-by in the pouring rain. Then we got stuck in traffic because there was an accident on the M4. Then we made it to the ground, and that's where the day got a little bit better. But boy, was it a game that was dictated by the weather. Yeah, I think uh, the club did well to get it on. <laughs> Walsall fans might argue otherwise. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, it wasn't a classic, and it was very much weather dictated, but I've seen Trinidad lose that sort of game quite a lot. So it was good to get, not exactly the, the prettiest win in the world, but a win it was, and uh, and, and glad that the, the game went ahead just about. As with... Richie Wellens, there's no major surprises with the starting eleven. Just the one change. Uh, DJ came in for the injured Lloyd Isgrove. So we had Bender, Hunt, Donahue, Friars, Baldry, Grant, Jayasimi, Doughty, Yates, Doyle and Anderson. And i got to be honest, before the first goal, which was quite early on, it looked like Walsall, who had ex-town player Elijah Debeo up front, they seemed like they were quite up for it and it just ended very abruptly after five minutes when Doughty played a ball over to Yates who controlled it well, moved it to Anderson who crossed it easily for Doyle to make it 1-0 after only five minutes. Lovely. Yeah, Walton started okay generally. I think you know they're, they're on a pretty horrific run that's just got worse. It was five in a row, uh, five treats in a row before the weekend. It's now six, so I think they needed to start well and uh, they did, but... You know, typical Wellens fast start, I guess, and and some of them were somewhat fortunate to be ahead after five minutes. But my God, did they need it because those you know conditions could have been a lot worse, and that would have played a massive factor if they had to wait for that goal. So to be in front 
early on was used for and they could have easily been bogged down by the bad weather so um so yeah that was much needed i think given you know what can be iffy home form as well so so yeah the early goal was a it's a bad cliche but it was it was really vital i think mm. although it wasn't as maybe methodical and sort of paced as well as usual swindon moves like this i thought it was a really good build-up in in the situation that the town were in at the time yeah it, was, it wasn't exactly fast flowing counter-attack but it's still it's still pretty good if they won the ball back and, and like we said managed to get it there pretty quickly to anderson who doesn't get many assists and we we often say that he, he doesn't get enough goal contributions but certainly that was a, a nice easy but well-worked pass and it was a fantastic run as well to get onto that ball from Yates. so so a nice well-worked finish and it was the eighth time it's been scored within the first 10 minutes under richie wellen so that's becoming definitely some somewhat of a trademark under under him. But unfortunately, Keshi Anderson's match was to end before halftime again, after he absolutely wonderfully controlled the ball from a from a from a sort of pass that looped over him, and he stopped it dead, but pulled up immediately. Yeah, it's a real shame for multiple reasons. Obviously, he's he's been in some decent form even when he's on the pitch, but he's not been on enough really. But I think we've seen in recent weeks that they they forced him back a bit, but it seems. You know, for intents and purposes, that he wasn't rushed back this time. They generally thought he was fully fit, and then he's he's gone to have a run and something's twinged or, or gone again. So that's a that's a real shame for him. And hopefully, it won't be too long. But you know, you were there as well. You saw the second it happened, his face was in a lot of anguish, and he collapsed in a heap on on the turf. And it wasn't it wasn't great. And you immediately knew that he wasn't coming back. So so yeah, hopefully, it wasn't too bad. But um, it didn't didn't look great from from what has been a a pretty reoccurring injury. It's at this stage, really, where my biggest fear, and I always do that jokey tweet when Swindon score early, where I say too soon or too early. And the reason why I always do that is because the way I think football teams go, especially in League One, League Two level, is they score that goal and they sort of sit back. Walsall did try and they did probe and Swindon did almost get themselves into a bit of difficulty on that surface a few times in the first half but ultimately it was very comfortable was it not? Yeah I think they were somewhat lucky that Walsall aren't very good I think maybe a better team might have punished them but to be honest it's the conditions were that bad and the pitch was well the pitch wasn't unplayable it was very good but because you know puddles quickly started to appear and there's a lot of wind and there's a lot of rain. You, you just you just kind of got to get through them. And we've seen quite a few times in, in recent seasons that Swindon have failed to get through those games. And we saw, I think it was last season, where there was a, a really terribly windy game against Port Vale that was pretty much unplayable because the wind was that bad and they they you know went through for a nil-nil draw. So it, it wasn't great. And maybe a better team would have punched them a bit more. But I, I can't really read into anything deeply tactical because they, they were just getting through it and... Managed to get a nice early goal in the first half and a, a nice early goal in the second. And the second was somewhat fortunate, but they they all go in. So, so um, so yeah, I don't think there's loads to read into this too much. It's just that they were trying to get through it in in what were near unplayable conditions. How do you prepare your team for the second half in those circumstances? Because Walsall, you know, Daryl Clark will be saying the wins on our side here. Let's make the most of it, even though they didn't. But how how does a manager sort of deal with that? I think it must have been a question of trying to keep doing what you're doing and and not let the weather dictate too much or, or or not get too too worried because although Walsall were certainly attempting to get back into it, they weren't very good in that first half. Second half they improved a bit, but they, Swindon was still dictating the ball as much as they could have done. They just weren't getting those shots off that we've seen in in many home games before. So I think it was just the case of, of keep doing what we're doing and keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully we'll get through it. And 
you know, luckily they scored two minutes after the restart. So uh, another typical Wellens fast start. I'm not sure how many times they scored. You know, I mean, 10 minutes of second halves, but um, certainly that was a, another early goal if you want to look at it like that. And it was a, a welcome relief because to have that two-goal cushion as early as the 47th minute was, was quite a relief. And, and although it didn't kill off Walsall's hopes, it certainly uh, it certainly helped and eased a few nerves around the, around the ground, I'm sure. Yeah, and it came from, that second goal came from a clearance from Stephen Bender. Doyle flicked it, and then what we saw was some atrocious Walsall defending from their two centre-backs. Jayasimi got the ball, did a little bit of a shimmy, shot, it deflected off the Walsall player. Somehow it's been given as a uh, DJ goal. I know it was on target, but I still think that's harsh on Rob Hunt from a few months back when he had a goal chalked off at Leighton Orient. But a goal's a goal, and he celebrated with a lovely little dance. Yeah, I was going to say it's on target, so I think I think it's DJ's. But it was a big deflection, <laughs> the, uh, and the Walsall keeper might have got to it if it wasn't. But um, yeah, very fortunate, and it, it's definitely dribbled over the line in the in the rain. So that was it was fortunate in that regard too. But you know, it goes down as DJ's first goal, and that's great. And yeah, it was a, a welcome relief because Walsall did get back into it not long after, and then they really put the pressure on. And although they didn't really do anything, they were still going for it. So to have that two goal cushion was a, a massive relief in the end, I think. Yeah, set pieces is definitely where it felt like Swindon were most fragile, especially within that that weather. Walsall scored through a set piece, floated nicely into the box. Bender came out, but Rory Gaffney, former Bristol Rovers forward, beat him to it with his header, and it went into an empty net for 2-1. Not Stephen Bender's greatest moment in a town shirt, but, you know, we won, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm obviously a big Bender fan, and uh, although um, we'll get onto it later, it turns out the uh, the incident in the last minute wasn't actually wasn't actually a Bender save, so uh, that's a shame. And so this must have been well, I'd probably go down as probably Bender's worst game so far. That's saying a lot because it's been quite good, but certainly it was difficult in the wind and rain, and uh, you can't really dress that up. That that first goal was him coming and failing to to claim a cross, so um, so yeah, a bad error there. But thankfully, he's only got away with it just about in the end i got to be honest, he was worrying me when he stood at the edge of this box for a lot of the game and there were a few bounces that came back to him and luckily his height didn't make it difficult but, you know, maybe a couple inches smaller and he would have, he might have been stretching for a couple of them. I'm, I'm actually surprised that Walsall didn't use the win more to their advantage in open play. I can only think of one time where a player hit it from like 40, 45 yards to try and test bend and it's certainly worth a pop yeah you're right you weren't the only one worried by that I think the entire press box certainly well or, or the entire left side of it were this wind and end anyway so um yeah like you said there's a few I mean most of them were just clearances that they took a bounce or skidded off the turf and you there was a bit of heart in mouth and oh Christ sort of moments and it, it was worrying and Bender just about got away with it and Walsall eventually had one actual shot again Bender just about got to it it was going wide anyway the actual shot but there was certainly uh, some nervous moments during that and I like a super keeper more than anyone else but I was I was definitely uh, shaking myself, so that was uh, that was worrying. But generally, he managed to um, manage to deal with them, and and Walsall weren't too much of a threat apart from you know that that heart attack at the end. We'll get to that in just a moment, but I just want a bit on on Walsall really because something that a rhetoric that you've been really going on both on this podcast and when you've been talking to me off it is this notion of the big team for this level that can be sucked into a relegation battle and. It, I don't see much of Walsall to think, I didn't see much of Walsall yesterday to think that they will now just go and have a great season for the rest. They looked, or oh, they didn't look great yesterday. 
yeah, I think I said yesterday to you that they might get away with it because they didn't want team going down, so um, mm. they might be all right. But yeah, look, I think we said in the preseason one, there's been quite a few recently on Notts County, of course, Bristol Rovers, uh, Chesterfield, Orient, all these sorts of teams that you know are not national league level have been going down, and we, we preseason we both went for Port Vale, who I don't think have been there uh, for quite a while, so. So, so yeah, I think Warsaw could definitely be sucked into it. I think they're about three points off um, at the time of recording. They, they might be all right if they, you know, sack Clark and hire someone else. Their strikers aren't great. I know Gaffney scored yesterday, but that was his first goal for them. And Adebayo is hardly a, a twenty-goal man either. So they might struggle with that under the pitch. And like I said, I, I think they'll get away with it because they want him going down. And Stevenage don't look great at all, and nor do nor do Morecambe. So so they might be all right, but certainly they've they've not been good. And like I said at the top of the podcast, that's six defeats in a row for them. So um, I would be worried if I was a saddler, but. I think that'd be all right. Yeah. Adebayo didn't thrive under the booze, did he? He was very much the Elijah Adebayo that we saw last season. Lots of endeavour, lots of effort, but ultimately not much end product from him yesterday in admittedly tough conditions. Yeah, there was, there was one moment in particular where he's sort of threatening to um, to attack on the break and he takes a bad touch around, I think it must be Baudry and and then the defender recovers, and there's a, a chant of, well, you know what the chant is, <laughs> your your effing s, I think was was uh, somewhere along those lines. And uh, it is at least nice to um, to have an opposition have that chant uh, for Adebayo. But um, yeah, he had uh, he had more than that during his during his town spell, which wasn't nice. But um, yeah, he seemingly hasn't improved that side of his game, and uh, and he he got familiar chance as he got subbed off and, and during that moment. I had the pleasure of being sat next to uh, Matthew Kilford for the second half, Matt did the the music for the podcast and we had a great chat over the second half the first half I was solo and it was the longest first half of my life because of the weather and because of the day I was having I just wanted to go home and then second half just sort of breezed by it didn't seem much of a threat and I mean I was saying that this is this has got like last minute equalizer written all over it and it was very very close wasn't it yeah no I, I have to say I was the opposite to you I was I was Pretty much brooking it from uh, minute fifty-five onwards because it's just be- not because because Warsaw were any good. They weren't, but they were getting um, they were getting more of a foothold and lost uh, quite a lot of their control in the second half as the the weather got worse. And like I said, Warsaw weren't good. It's just the fact that I've seen this game so many times, yeah. and, and like you said, you can just sense at any moment that a goal is going to go in off someone's backside or or off someone's knee, and 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 suddenly Swindon have chucked two two good points away. So. Um, yeah, like I said, Walter weren't doing anything that, that made me nervous. If I, if I was watching it as a neutral, I would have been bored. But because I have my Swindon connections, I was absolutely bricking it for the entire second half because Swindon weren't dictating anything and, and Walter were, were, were at least trying to get a second. And like I said, I, I was getting serious deja vu moments and I very, very nearly had it um, in the 90th minute, as we've mentioned quite a few times. Mm, I think we just react differently in crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Quite I'm like, possibly, ah, yeah. what will be will be. It is what it is, you know. And you're like, ah, but but <laughs> yeah, the um the, the aforementioned effort should have been two two. I don't think the Walsall player did a great deal wrong at the time. It seemed like a world class save from Stephen Bender. He managed to save the first, but the ball fell so well. For the, I think it was, was it Dan Scar? Um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure, but all he needed to do was smack it into the roof of the net, and I think that's where it was going. But it looked in real time from where I was sat like Bender tipped it over, but in fact, it was it was Rob Hunt that 
got a very, very minor sort of flick head to it, put his head where it uh, mattered and saved Swindon and we got the win out of it. Yeah, I've never seen a more obvious goal in my life. I think when it, when it was mm. sat up to whichever Warsaw player it was, that was, I was like, yeah, that's too old. And, and I was just going to, I was getting ready to look down and, and edit the report at last minute. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you also think it's a bender save because we were sat pretty much at the same same place during that game and I, I confess I thought it was a bender save. It looked, it looked pretty unreal to me and then I, I got home and saw videos and I think I went on YouTube and, and tended to 0.5 speed and, and yeah, it's, it's a Rob Hunt block. So um, apologies to Rob because I initially gave credit to Bender. Thanks very much, Rob. You've, you've definitely saved us there. So I appreciate that. And three wins in three games. Yeah, and no, I, was, I, was, I was worried a month ago or, or two weeks or when, whenever it was when we were predicting the next um, four games prior to Stephen and I was, I was saying I'd like 10 here and I was definitely expecting um, to look like an idiot when we recorded. We've only got four or something, but um, we've played three games since and got nine points. So we haven't got a league game for a while now in Salford, but even so, if you get you know at least a point like that, it's been a, a good return from what has been a definitely a nicer run of fixtures. And although Swindon have had some close shaves, certainly in the home games at Stevenage and, and Walsall, they've they have at least got through them. There were times they wouldn't, and uh, and we have got nine points from from three games, so that's a uh, that's great, and we are right in the promotion promotion reckoning. There's a few games in hand chucking about, which is quite annoying, and I think Chatham have got two, but um, but yeah, we're, at least we are third and and definitely in the conversation. I'm very much you know points on the board is better than games in hand. I, I, I sit in that camp to be honest. But what is absolutely crucial about yesterday's result, really for me, amongst other things, I'm sure, is. We always focus on Swindon, obviously. We are Swindon-centric. We are Swindon fans, are Swindon-centric. But what we don't acknowledge yesterday is just how well results went our way. So, you know, whenever Swindon drop points, we always go so hyperbolic, don't we? And just go, this is it. We're going to drop. We're going to be mid-table. But Crew, Exeter, Cheltenham, Newport, all lost yesterday. And suddenly Swindon a third and in a far happier place than we were two weeks ago. Yeah, it's not really the same as it's more I look properly. I think it's about February onwards that you really mm. have to think all oh, oh, X team have dropped points, but certainly that was a, a massive bonus. And even even if I'm not paying huge attention, I do, you know, you have to do check the t- scores naturally and do you think, oh, you know, that, that team's dropped points and, and we know that Chatham are doing well and they lost and we know the crew are doing well and they, they struggled and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, it's, you definitely don't read too much into it. The season isn't done in November. Constantly, what Bristol City fans will, will tell you about us. But yeah, you, you do tip the cursory glance and uh, yesterday went well, but it's a, it's a long season. And like I said, there are game and, games and knocking about all over the place. So uh, a long, long way to go, sadly. 17 points clear of relegation currently. <laughs> There's only one spot, so we should be alright. But uh, you know, you know, you know what I'm like in famous last words. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong now. Exactly. Plays it back in again, and no offside. And Taylor has scored, and that surely means it's the Premier League for Swindon Town now. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC official supporters club. So let's go through the questions and opinions that you have provided since the 2-1 win over Walsall. We'll start with Pete Marsh. He says, expected a home draw with Walsall. It always seems to be a home draw against them. Winning in those conditions against a team struggling for their lives was an indicator to better results ahead. Need to organise better at set pieces, obviously, and no one can argue with that, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I, I did the, like I said in the in the 
for match prediction, I this is a draw of my ten points because Walsall, yeah, their away record isn't great, but because they are terrible, but it's better than the home form for sure. So I was a bit nervous and and I was definitely extremely anxious at two o'clock in the afternoon when the, the rain was terrible. And I thought, yeah, this is a, the sort of horrible game that we drop points in. So so yeah, it was a huge three points and, and glad we just got through it because uh, yeah, those are always more difficult games to win than than the average. Mm. Adrian Kiersey. Great to see us grind out a result. Walsall, whilst not great, were better than I expected. And a different goal scorer about double deflection. No one expects a cut run. So part of me thinks let's just build for Salford and keep the league momentum and rest some players. Although the terms of our loans might enforce that anyway. Maybe I was much more relaxed than the rest of you. I, I thought it was reasonably comfortable, even when we we weren't in as much control as we would have liked. It is that is the first Swindon player that's not called Owen Doyle or Jerry Yates to score for Swindon since September fourteenth, which was Keshi Anderson, which is quite remarkable. But good to end that run, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I, I, we we do do the variation when Doyle or Yates. Yeah, Eventually, uh, go for a bit of bad form, maybe, but if that ever happens, but yeah, I think Doyle's been that good that we haven't needed to, so that's a that's a relief. But always nice to see extra players get on the score sheet, even if they are fire, you know, pretty hefty deflections. Our man in Singapore, Matt Anderson, always gives us a nice, thorough review with his musings. We'll go in four bits, if that's okay, Ben. So the first section, although not amused that your clocks went back, Saturday games now starting at 11pm and midweek at 3.45am, Walsall was a great win. Heart in mouth for much of the game, but great fight and spirit and luck. Some of which deserted us at times in October. Should we feel sorry for him for for tuning in in Singapore? It's a good test of loyalty, that's for sure. I'm glad he's getting it doing a good season and uh... If he was doing that during fifteen sixteen, then I uh, then I applaud him, and on sixteen seventeen, then I applaud him. So, uh, so well done for that, um, and, and good loyalty shown there. You know, I, I agree with the general point there. I think definitely we've seen more slices of luck, and although some people might look back to Stephen and say we, we were lucky to beat bottom of the league, we we did generally get through it and score that ninetieth minute winner. And and uh, like I said, uh, quite a few times I've seen us draw and lose that game uh, quite a few times. So so it was a massive relief. And uh, good that things are starting to go away at, one, at last. And it's a cliche, of course, and a terrible one at that. But um, but you need those sort of moments to, to have promotion spells. So um, so always looking good, generally, even if some of the wins aren't as convincing as they should be. If you were an expat, would you tune in at 3.45 a.m.? Uh, my body clock is not great, considering I watch a lot of the American <laughs> American sports. I normally go to bed about five in the morning. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm used to being up at random times. So I'm sure I could uh, make the sacrifice if I, if I lived in a exotic country and had an iFollow account I think USA expats have it the best off they can get up in the morning watch the 3pms and then go about their business for the rest of the day if I was to be an expat I think North America is the one to go <laughs> good choice I'd always be looking at work times I think if I was fired to if there's a game going on when I was at work I'd be quite annoyed so uh, I'd have a lot more I'd have a lot more sick days so um, I'd, that's that's what I'd look at I think <laughs> can't argue with that let's go back to Matt's message so section two last few seasons we've looked back on games we should have won but lost Drew in the last few minutes as you've alluded to already this season we're getting more of the opposite holding out fighting for wins a bit of luck here and there 
just what's needed to mount a challenge great team great support yeah, yeah totally agree with that and, and like i said I've, I've seen i've seen us draw and lose those games where we've struggled to find goals against really bad opposition so uh nice that it's going our way for a change section three said before but i'm not worried about doyle leaving but grant is a real concern he dictates our play covers holds up play seem to be everywhere on saturday can we really do without him? And, of course, he was man of the match. Have we had a man of the match, finally, that deserved it? I think so. Yeah, definitely. It's hard <laughs> to just dictate him a field in, in torrential rain, but he, he did it pretty well, I think, and, and and was good there. And, yeah, I agree with the point that it would be pretty bad to lose Grant, but we'd have Leiden that could do a job there. And, and to be honest, although we've got issues of loans of Doyle that we, Bradford could... Uh, could kill us at any moment. I think it's going to be a lot easier with Grant because mm. although we've got to do some renegotiating, he's he's not wanted at Shrewsbury. His time is very much done there. So if we if we go to Shrewsbury, can we have in front of us six months? I think that'd be a very quick yes if Swindon can find the money. So although, like I said, although there's some renegotiation to be do, I'm not really that concerned at all. I think that'd be quite an easy negotiation to do. The, the final point that Matt Anderson, and thank you, Matt, for providing all this, and thank you, everyone, who's provided questions. Final question. What strategy is more likely to benefit our growth or success in League One next season? (laughs) Should Richie Wellens hold on to or sign the many lone players that get us there as the nucleus becomes clear, or start the annual rebuild once again as the lonelies go back and contracts end? We are going up. (laughs) Yeah, we've got got to get to League One first, (laughs) I think I think it's both, to be honest. I, I think mainly because Stephen Bender is the only loanee whose contract doesn't expire. It's parent club in the summer. It's, it's, I think that one's it's one's massive. I think it's 2022. The rest, I know people don't want Adam May back, but his Paulson contract does expire in the summer. Yates does at Rotherham. Doyle's does at Bradford. Grant's does at Shrewsbury. And Jayasimi does at Norwich. Uh, Norwich have an option on Jayasimi, but are they going to keep him? Probably not. So of the four loanees that are in the uh, team regularly, uh, whose contract expire, they, they, they definitely could sign them on a free. So... If they don't get of interest, we could definitely sign them on freeze and, and tie them down for a bit longer. And then whatever needs filling beyond that, we can we can sign with new players. So, um, so yeah, I don't think we'll see... Uh, well, they're definitely trying to sign those lines permanently if, if they want them. So I don't think we'll see a mass exodus of them. And then hopefully uh, some new ones will come along. But let's get to League One first, I think. Quite. <laughs> Hanrahan Rahan says, Doughty is a bit rusty and his role has changed, plus the players around him are technically so much better than last season. Put simply, we just don't depend on him as much this year. For me, that's Hanrahanrahan, he's settling back in and getting better. Now, that may cause a few listeners to raise their eyebrows or maybe mutter something under their breath during their commute because Doughty seemed to get the most stick in the ground and online afterwards for his performance yesterday. Whether that was justified or not is for us to discuss, but your thoughts on that point? I think it's I think it's fundamentally a good thing we don't rely on him so much. I think we, we've definitely seen last season that when he was gone, they weren't great and Azate couldn't do all the load. So and that, that's definitely good that we don't rely on him too much. And mm. and there's, there's options. And to be honest, Swindon were pretty much a 43-1 yesterday to the Anderson injury. They brought Lydon on and, and put Doughty as 10. So he got a, a more refined role there and, and Swindon went so open um, on counter-attack. So, so yeah, I think it's I think it's good that Doughty's pretty... Um, pretty versatile and they've got a lot of di- different options for him but yeah it doesn't quite suit a 4-4-2 as we, as you noticed and but Swindon didn't really play it yesterday for most of it so so that was okay and like I said it's good that we don't 
don't rely on him too much now. Hanrahan Rahan has a few more points. Uh, Stephen Bender is beginning to have the impact Wes Fodderingham had after De Canio found him in our promotion season. Not his greatest game yesterday. We've already discussed it, but he definitely seems to have that little bit more, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he does a lot of the stuff you need him to do in terms of sweeping long through balls out that overplayed and, and could lead to could lead to good goals and he he, uh, he he placed some good passes up from the back and although you know four yard passes aren't particularly difficult McCormick would would definitely uh, avoid doing them quite a lot and, and Bender's a lot more assured and will do it a lot more calmly so um, his kicking wasn't great yesterday actually but the conditions didn't help there but generally he's a pretty calming presence I think and and does make crucial saves even if the one um, yesterday wasn't his in the end Hunt is an unsung hero as is Yates. I can't argue with either of those points. Uh, no, definitely can't either. I think I think there's a cool question later, uh, perhaps of what's underrated players, and they certainly they certainly fit that bill. So um, so yeah, long may that continue. It's good to have quite a few players that are going under the radar but are very good at this level. I thought Owen Doyle was quite quiet yesterday. Worked really hard, clearly, but because of the elements, things weren't really going through. Saying that he scored and his head. His header, his flicked header, provided the mistake for Walsall for uh, the second goal. But I, I got to be honest, I thought Yates worked really, really hard yesterday, trying to just try and get something from from the conditions. Yeah, he he will do that running pretty consistently, and it was a lot more difficult yesterday, pretty much just treading water from us the game. But um, he, he will certainly do that running, and and like you said, Doyle wasn't quite his usual self, but frankly, he doesn't really have to do a lot. He's very good at being in the right place at the right time in his goal yesterday was another sort of goal in the six-yard box. So even though Doyle was quite quiet, he, he will be in the right place where you need him to be and, and Yates will, will do all the running and do all the work for him, really. Still with Hanra Hanrahan, depth off the bench is impressive. Decent options all over the park. The squad are together. Yeah, I think most positions are, are pretty um, pretty well filled. I think, uh, you know, if something happens to Grant, the Leiden comes in, if... Something happened to Isgrove and Jai Simi or, or Woolery comes in. I think the only worry would be striker. I think once you go past Doyle and Yates, you've only got Woolery as an emergency or even Twine. But but generally, they could, even then, they could change formation to go for one or top and, and whichever striker is injured or suspended, then, then doesn't really matter when you go with the other one. So, so yeah, there's, there's depth pretty much everywhere and, and that's always good. And uh, even even positions where they don't have good options and they can they can rotate and do some jiggery poker to, to get around it. And the final point by Hanra Hanrahan, Richie Wellens was right to have a poke at the fans and the fans' reaction yesterday and at Crawley has been first class. Yeah, I think there's definitely some nervousness mm. slowly going away. It's not quite gone yet. I think there's probably a few chances of forward still and, and, and general mutterings, but generally it was okay. And, you know, we, we covered it last week. I, I agreed with his uh, well, into the point generally in the press comments, so it's good that people have somewhat responded. You know, until Facebook and Twitter calm down a bit, I don't think we're fully over the hump quite yet. But it's certainly an improvement in the stadium, at least. I got a nice dose of stereotypical Arkles support against Walsall. It was always hit it forward, hit it forward, just hit it because they were doing that sort of playing it from the back, pinging it all over, you know, all around the defenders and the uh, the goalkeeper and silence every time they did hoof it and it just went to a Walsall player. Just silence every time. But, you know, you can't please anyone, can you? <laughs> that's, my, that's my methodology sums up. Everyone remembers the mistakes, but no one remembers when they whack it clear and, and the other team regained possession. So, um, so yeah, play off from the back, but do it properly. That's, yeah. the, that's the, my ideology. Daniel Thomas 
says that the Stevenage result gets more important by the day. We were off form, struggling to break down a poor team, but managed to get the job done, and it's kicked us on into the next two games where we have been very good. Injuries continue to cause us issues, but what can we do? Prior to Stevenage, I was I was a bit nervous about the home performances, and that was a, a minor red flag. I'm, I'm a massive fan of Wellens, but it was, a, it was a minor red flag that they can't quite break those teams down. I don't think they solved it yet because Steven Ridge needed a 90-minute goal and Walsall, you know, you can't really look into it because of the rain and such, but but certainly it's an improvement and um, I think we'll need a, a proper, you know, convincing win over Mansfield in a few weeks' time to to finally put Demons to bed and, and then continue from there, but it's certainly an improvement and uh, but I don't think they've quite fixed that issue out yet, but it's a, it's a good start and uh, it's points on the board, as I said. The next bit is going back to Michael Doughty chat. That's my fault for putting into the wrong order, but it's from our man in the People's Republic of China, Jack Tanner. He very simply put, and it did create a little reaction on Twitter, does Doughty appear to have a future at the club? Yeah, well, he's, he's playing again. I think 4-4-2 doesn't suit him brilliantly, but uh, like I said, just so they, they didn't really, uh, they didn't really use it, and they they, they moved him. So, um, so that, that was good. And he's he, like I said, he's playing again, and he has got a long contract until the 2022. I think it was quite a big extension, wasn't it? So, so yeah, definitely got a, definitely got a future. I think he, he, his role just might be changing from a centre mid to a ten when needed. But um, but yeah, he he is he's definitely still part of the process and and not doing business transactions or anything anything like that so um nothing to worry about i think yeah look out one two three instantly replied to jack's message and we've got to remember that jack isn't in the country he's over in china so he's eye following he doesn't get the real sort of sense of what's going on in swindon in reply to that comment of course he does this is what lookout123 says. The first goal came from his chip ball down the wing to Yates. He was 50-50 at points yesterday, but all players have a little dip in form. We forget how class he can be. And I was saying yesterday, actually, um, I think Doughty often gets so much stick is because we know how good he can be, but he's always been a one sublime ball followed by five not-so-great ones, hasn't he? I mean, I think that's been a running theme throughout. Yeah, I still got the opinion. I've said quite a few times on this podcast before that it, because he's so, you know, aloof and he doesn't do a lot of running, he, he just seems to come across as someone who's not trying or not putting the effort in. So when he does do a, a you know, a chip-free ball, doesn't go to the right target, it comes across as lazy or something like that, which I don't think he is. It's just the, the way he plays and he's, he's very good at what he does. I just think he... Because of the way he is, it's not an actual thing, but because of the way he is, he just gives off a bad vibe. I think sometimes when, when it's not going well, when it is going well, he's loved, but when it's not, he's just a he's an unfair target a lot of the time. I think we all dread AGM season, right? <laughs> yeah. Tyler says, "Is Rob Hunt an upgrade on Kyle Noyle? That's Low Strangers Player of the Year, Kyle Noyle. And who is your Player of the Season so far? Most underrated." most overrated and most consistent oh yes please well i mean i'll start and then you can go i mean first of all we'll just cover he is an upgrade on noil for what they do yeah i think i think i've mentioned it before that um i, I don't like the the um the discourse of you know rob hunts better than noil or you know mm. noil's a snake or you know noil's been rubbish or whatever for what's going to do rob hunt is better he's he, yeah. he's a, a fullback that goes forward but if Swindon were playing a flat back four that needs needed to defend out of Noel because he's a better de- defensive fullback, whereas Rob Hunt is a 
is a better fullback going forward. So for for Richie Wellens, he's better. If we had Flickcroft or someone like that, I'd have Noyle. So I, I, I think that's the answer to the question. Yep, and I mean, no regrets from from me. You know, reference his season. He in a very poor season for Swindon. He was one of the standout players, no doubt about it. But but he left, and someone's come in, and he's doing the job just as adequately, if not more so. Most underrated, though. What do you reckon? It's quite difficult because I, I I generally think that just about most of the squad is getting the praise it deserves. And I, I was thinking about this for the overhead as well. I don't think there's anyone really overrated in the squad, but. I think underrated, I'll, I'll just about plump for Anderson because I still don't think people massively like him when he's, I think he's quite good and uh, and always made a lot of, he's, not, he's rarely in the position he actually plays, but I think he does quite well for left wing for someone who isn't a left winger. So um, I'll go for that because I don't think people have quite warmed to him just yet, but I think I think people are turning and, you know, he got an assist yesterday, so that was a bonus as well. Most overrated? It's an unfair one, isn't it? That's the thing, I, I, I'm really struggling with this because I don't think there's anyone in the 11 where people go, he's great, I think. Not really. I think, I, I, again, I'd, I'd probably only say someone like McCormick, but he's not really playing anymore, so it doesn't really matter anyway. So I, I definitely know anyone overrated in the in the, in the the main 11 anyway. Most consistent? Probably be someone like Rob Hunt. I think he's a, he's very good at what he does, and a few assists or goals would be nice, but he is, you know, a perfectly good fullback going forward, and he, he supplies crosses and that sort of thing. And Grant, you could check him in there. I don't think he's had a bad game yet. That's, you know, jinx, but I think he's been pretty solid in most people's Man of the Match uh, awards, so... Um, one of those two probably and player of the season although you know we didn't give it to Doughty last year despite the goals and the and the lovely penalties and the general decent contribution it's hard at the moment to ignore 14 and 14 by Owen Doyle isn't it you know me I like to go for the um not controversial but you know I like to go for the Oh, you know, this player's going under the radar and deserves a load of credit, but Doyle scored 14 goals in 14 games. He's the player of the season. It's it's, uh, it's as simple as that, sadly. So um, I can't be, you know, hot take or controversial or anything like that. I'm just going to go for Owen Doyle because he has been bloody brilliant. Nothing sad about that, buddy. <laughs> I'll take it. We've mentioned the pitch already but perhaps a big reason behind Town completing 90 minutes yesterday was the work of the groundsman Marcus Cassidy and his team. Congratulations to them as they won the Professional Grounds Team of the Year at the Institute of Groundsmanship Awards, which is a big deal in that field and thoroughly deserved. Yeah, and I was having this conversation with um, a few uh, fellow reporters yesterday that you know the, the Walsall team came over and they were you know, asking us, is this game going to get called off? And we were sort of discussing it takes a lot for this for games to be called off um, here. There's normally, you know, a lot of snow. I think rain really does it. I can remember uh, in that Bristol game, it was abandoned. So um, credit to the team, um, pitch team, it's Swindon that, you know, it takes a lot for the games to be called off around here generally. So, um, so yeah, all credit to them. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we didn't get during the game was that absolute downpour that happened at Bristol Rovers it was constant it was swirling puddles were forming especially um, near the corner flag to the Stratton bank and the away end but ultimately we didn't have that biblical downpour that we had a few years back yeah that was terrible and that was the first abandonment I've been to and I've been to a second since but it wasn't as funding so um so yeah that they deserve immense credit for that and yeah, it wasn't quite as bad, but it's still pretty bad. And a few games went over the weekend, so Swindon might have been a bit lucky in, in terms of weather, but they certainly did um, certainly did well anyway. And 
you know, we might have had a different conversation if we lost the game, but um, we won, so three points can be somewhat dedicated to the to the pitch team. Nice one, Marcus. Well, that's really fired up the home crowd now, and Swindon buzzing here. And because again, rather uncertain with that cross, and the shot almost comes to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Okay then, so Swindon now take a break from the League 2 grind to play in the first round of the FA Cup. As we know, it's a trip to Cheltenham Town where we've failed to win any of the eight competitive games at Wadden Road to date. The less said about the other FA Cup game Swindon played there, the better. The last fixture between the two teams finished 2-2 with Swindon being paid back twice and then hanging on for the last 20 minutes because Michael Doughty was sent off. Cheltenham lost the Gloucestershire derby. I'm not calling it by that other name against Forest Green Rovers 2-1 over the weekend. Ben Tozer, Rowan Ince and Chris Hussey are the ex-Swindon men currently in Cheltenham's ranks. This is an all-ticket game, so don't rock up on Saturday and expect to get in. Tickets go on general sale at 9am on Monday the 4th of November. It's £19 for adults, £13 for over 65s and students and £8 for the under 18s. Ben, regardless of opposition, is it good for town to have this little break from League 2 or is it a bit of a hindrance considering we're on a bit of a run at the moment? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm more the second um, option there. I think... It's not a great time because we're on a good run. I, I want Salford now, basically. I, I, I think it's, it's quite annoying. We've got um, Rovers in the week and then uh, and then Chatham or whichever one's first. Um, we've got two cup games uh, before the next league game, so, so Salford is going to feel like a long time away, and momentum will probably go from that. So that's that's quite annoying. And I don't mind cups generally, but they they have certainly got in the way this time. Pete Marsh comes back with a question. Cheltenham is intriguing. Does Wellens want or need a cup run? Does he need to prove a point against a promotion rival? He will not risk anyone with a niggle or is tired and he will not want to replay. In the context of this season, probably the FA Cup is like the EFL pot, which I believe is the uh, leasing.com. It's, it's slightly more important. I've got the same opinion with the FA Cup to do the, the league. I think they're nice if you go on a run, but I'm not really that bothered. It will. I'll be upset if we lose, but it, I won't you know, lose sleep over it or anything like that in the... If I try, if I don't care, full stop. But, um, you know, to be brutally honest, it, it might be a take that not a lot of people like. But if you are 1-0 down with five minutes, I'd rather be lose it from that point rather than rather than get a draw. Because the replay is the absolute worst thing for us. A win's OK. A loss isn't great, but I can I can live with it. A draw is the absolute worst um, outcome on Saturday. We, a replay is the last thing we need. I think it'll be nice to win there. Nice little psychological. It'll be nice for Wellens as well, considering all the managers who have gone there and not managed to get a win for Swindon it'll be nice to end that run but ultimately it is the worst fixture to get in the FA Cup at the same time it's it's not going to create crazy levels of uh, angst and outrage because we always seem to lose or draw at Cheltenham there were plenty of questions again about the availability of Owen Doyle and whether he would be selected or be allowed to play in this game I'm quite happy for him to sit out of this one and the Bristol Rovers game the following Wednesday I mean ultimately 
people going to be reading into whatever happens, whether he let, whether he's allowed to play, people will think that's it, the, the, the transfer's completed. And if he doesn't play, everybody's going to be like, well, that's it, he's gone. Yeah, no, I'm fearful of that as well, that when, when that team sheet gets announced at two o'clock and that's going to be the reaction. But I think if he, if he isn't allowed to play, I think Bradford and other teams like them just like to take out insurance, um, you know, really. I think it, it won't be a surefire sign that he's off. I think it's just Bradford be like, no, nah, we'll, we'll take our chances and, and not do it quite yet. Frankly, I'd, I'd like, I'm with you that I'd rather have him just say, anyway, he would be can play and go with, and go with the eights and twine or something like that because, like I said, the FA Cup's nice, but I don't really care about it that much. It's, it's not going to be season-defining and I care about Salford's a hell of a lot more. So, um, so yeah, get some get some rest for Doyle and, and you can play a few key players, but I wouldn't go overboard with them. I think if, you, if you're going to um, risk people like Doyle, then that'd be, a, that'd be worrying, I think. I've not seen anything cup-wise from this current era to think anything other than Cheltenham to Swindon now. Because I've said I, I draw what I don't want, I think I'm worried that's going to happen. So I'm worried about one all. Like I said, if, it, if we're one down with, with five minutes left, then I'd rather we, we lose it from there. So I'll, t- I'll take the T1 defeat the channel or something like that. But um, I think we'll probably... Why not? We'll sneak it. Wellens has managed to... Uh, you know, chuck an FA Cup game in the past, so he'll probably do some good FA Cup work this this time around and probably win at Cheltenham. No, no, my luck. <laughs> Fair play to Cameron McGilp, who got a brace in Hungerford Town's 3-0 win at Braintree Town, which also included former Swindon player Matt Jones. Fair play to him. Yeah, well done to Cameron. Not sure he's ever going to get in, but he has got another year um, beyond this one, so he might as well do well and we'll see what happens um, next summer if he's loaned out again or or maybe even breaks in, but um, good to see he started off well at Hungerford and hopefully he can get them uh, away from the drop. And it's only at time of recording just over a week away, but I do have to remind you all that the Lowe's Strangers has a live event coming up Tuesday, November 12th. Doors open at 7pm, £5 entry. You can still get tickets from www.stfc.com dash osc.com the night will involve a pub quiz hosted by the great vic morgan and i will be hosting a q a with my guests who have been confirmed as richie wellens noel hunt and steve mildenhall there will also be town players in attendance over 100 tickets have been sold thank you to everyone who have bought tickets that is both remarkable and petrifying. Get more people to the Lowe's Strangers event rather than the uh, Bristol Rovers game that's pointless the following night. That's my uh, that's my plug for that. <laughs> I'm at both. We've made it to 100, Ben. That's good. I think, are we going to get 100 time for the live event or are we going to go full set piece menu and have like another 20 episodes before we get to, before we get to the official 100? No, we're going to have 100 with Sam Burton on Thursday. Slightly different kind of vibe. It's a conversation with me and Sam as we go through his scrapbook of memories and I ask him a whole bunch of questions I'll have the photos available so you can have a look while you're listening to them as well it was really really lovely and um, you probably get to hear me eat bourbons and drink tea at the same time not good manners I look forward to hearing about a player that I don't really know much about and a time that I've, I definitely haven't seen so uh, that, that will be that'll be interesting and hope other people listen as well and before we go Adrian had a hypothetical question for us it seems harsh, he says, as we're all doing so well, but to put us both under pressure, Grant, Doyle and Yates, Snog, 
marry or void snog keep for the rest of the season marry sign permanently avoid goes back in january go here's my window for controversy so uh i will sign yates permanently because he's younger and i think you can do more with him and i think he's quite important to the way Sundon play in terms of he does a lot of running and, and pressing and, and so forth and i'll have doyle to end of the season because you know he's been brilliant and, and crucial and and, uh, and score all the goals but you know he is on the wrong side of 30 and there's probably only you know one year two years three years max that he's he's going to be doing this sort of this sort of numbers so he's a good will ride the crest of his wave of doing really well now and then maybe his, his form might not continue so I'll have him for the rest of the season and then uh, I'll send Grant back because Leiden could do a similar job and I think out of those three Grant is the most replaceable in terms of you can, you can find um, centre mids that can do his sort of work whereas uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult to find, and, and certainly you don't get many Doyles uh, that score 14 goals in 14 games. So, unless Lewandowski fancies the move now that Bayern have lost 500 Frankfurt, then uh, we'll have t- st- uh, t- time struggling to replace him. So, I'll send Grant back. Well, that was a compelling argument. I was smooching Grant, Marion Doyle and avoiding Yates, but by that I was putting Adam May in a Yates shirt and uh, sending him <laughs> sending him home. But you've convinced me. We'll go with your one. Any else you would like to add no i just look forward to the twitter replies to what i've just said there i like all three to, to make that absolutely clear and i want all of them to be on be beyond, beyond here but i was uh i was held at gunpoint so i had to make a decision so sorry to Anthony, but i do like him i promise as do i ben thank you very much cheers mate The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Say, what the hell do we care?